Hello and welcome to the Highly Sensitive Soul Podcast. My name is Lisa Matthews, and together we'll explore both the gifts and the challenges of being highly sensitive so that you can bring your unique magic out into the world. Welcome to today's episode, and if you have ever thought about writing a book, this episode is definitely for you. Now I'm going to share more about Jennifer Locke, a ghostwriter and author coach, in just a moment. But first, those that are new to the podcast, a very warm welcome to you. My name is Lisa Matthews, and I support highly sensitive people to create a life that is spacious, peaceful, and intuitively led, while also learning to care for your deeply sensitive nature. If you'd like to widen your self-care toolbox right now, I have the five S's to soothe your nervous system. These are five self-calming tools specifically for highly sensitives, and you can grab them for no cost at combinationhealing.ca forward slash free forward slash soothe. I'll pop those in the show notes. So all that being said, I am really excited to share today's interview with Jennifer Locke. Let me tell you a little bit more about her. She's a ghostwriter and author coach who helps entrepreneurs and thought leaders uplevel their brands with a book. Jennifer has been writing fiction since 2011, and she brings this fiction writer's approach to her work with her clients. Jennifer has ghostwritten business books that have been published by both business presses and the big five publishers. Whether writing fiction or nonfiction, Jennifer lives for stories. Bringing stories to life, whether her own or her clients, is Jennifer's favorite work. Jennifer shares a lot of deep wisdom around how to actually get started in the writing process. Who should write a book? What are elements that highly sensitive people may face when writing a book and how to navigate them? There are some really simple accessible tips here, as well as some broader themes to ponder and percolate on. So without further ado, let's head into today's interview. Thanks so much for joining me on the show today, Jennifer. I'm really excited to dive in. I think we've got some really great territory we can cover here. So thanks for your time today and welcome. Thank you so much, Lisa. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Awesome. And it's not every day that I meet someone who has a background like yours. Uh, a lot of the guests that I've had on the show are often practitioners, work in the healing arts, and I've been wanting to step into this more artistic flavor, especially as we're in spring. So I'm curious, what drew you to the work that you do now? What was your journey along the way? Yeah, so... I started out the first iteration of what I'm doing now started as ghostwriting. And like a lot of people who come to ghostwriting, I came to it quite accidentally. I uh, had written fiction. I'd been writing fiction uh, for about six years um, at the time that I connected with who would ultimately become my first ghostwriting client. Um, I had left the traditional workforce as a result of having my twins who are now six years old. And so I was, I had previously worked in nonprofits. Before that, I had worked as an English teacher, a high school English teacher. Um, and I was looking for something that I could do to accommodate our needs as a family. And it was, it became clear pretty quickly that traditional working arrangements were not going to work for us, especially since prior to making the leap into freelancing, I had been working in nonprofits and um, 
the paycheck didn't didn't justify the expenditures we would have to make in order to find daycare for twins. So I thought, all right, I'm going to have to figure something else out. I eventually did once I got my legs underneath me after having twins, because that's quite uh, (laughs) an adjustment. That's quite a journey. Yeah, Yeah, I imagine it's It's a lot. It's very, it's very wonderful. It was very welcome and everything, but a lot of, of adjustment. Um, yeah. <laughs> and so I uh, began freelance writing and pitching lots of various places. Um, eventually I connected with someone who wanted to, uh, wanted me to write thought leadership articles. And this person eventually said, we, we developed a really good rapport and um, worked together really well. And then they said that they would like for me to write a business book and had I ever done that before? And I had not, but I had uh, written books before since I'd been writing books since 2011. And so I figured it couldn't be too difficult of a transfer of skills from fiction to nonfiction. And I, you know, I was familiar with the form um, of writing a full length book. So, um, you know, that person took a chance on me and that's mm-hmm. that's how that's how it started. That's how I entered the space that I'm in now. And it, it turned out really well. Like we're still very friendly with each other. Uh, that that person's book did did well and was traditionally published and did a lot of neat things for them, opened a lot of doors. And um, so just that whole process of developing that close relationship with someone and helping them achieve this this dream that for so many people seems unattainable and then seeing kind of the doors that opened and the things that come from that it's it was I just kind of fell in love with it and with the relationships built and with the long form process of writing books um yeah so that's that's how it started very cool and for those that haven't heard of ghostwriting, you kind of named it at, at the end, but it, it's essentially when you're working really closely with a person, allowing their ideas to inform the book, but you do the actual writing. Is that correct? That's correct, yeah. And and people come to it with varying levels of things that they've already done. Uh, some might have an outline, right. you know, some might have lots of speeches and they just kind of have an idea for what they want to do. It can be very collaborative in that we're um, ideating and outlining the book together. Sometimes they have the book already done. I kind of describe it as um, acting on the page because you, oh, I love yeah, that. it's fun. You get to, you know, I did drama in high school. I did theater, but I'm not a performer. And so acting on the page, I feel like is something that I can, I can do. <laughs> um, yeah, it's really a process of getting to know their their voice really well, and you know their likes and preferences, and um, kind of doing shape shifting and and writing as them on the page. And I, I find it really fun. It's it's a kind of acting that I you know doesn't scare me. So, <laughs> yeah. and I think a lot of people will perhaps resonate with that idea of having this creative endeavor kind of on the horizon in some way shape or form and not being too sure how to get it out there so having someone like you that can uh, really tune in and I think as a highly sensitive person myself I can imagine um, and I didn't actually even check in beforehand reading through the high sensitivity piece did that resonate with you something that was um something that you saw in yourself or not so much, or I can give you a quick recap on what high sensitivity means. If you're like, I'm not sure. Um, I I think I have an answer to your question, but I'd love to hear you reiterate everything that high sensitivity means to, to the listeners of this podcast. Yeah, for sure. And I'll have very recently put out a kind of highly sensitive in a nutshell um, episode. So feel free for a little longer answer to tune into to that one if you're listening. But it is essentially a person with a really finely tuned sensitive nervous system. We feel things really deeply. And this is on many levels, both emotionally. So a romantic movie might affect us with a sad ending a lot more than say someone else. And we tend to notice the details. We notice a lot of the little things. 
So we feel deeply and we also, on a sensory level, really experience the world quite intensely. So going to a mall might be a really overwhelming experience if it's quite busy Mm -hmm. with loud noises, lack of natural light, a lot of people. And it's not a diagnosis. Mm -hmm. There's nothing wrong with us. This is a trait Mm -hmm. that we're born with. Mm -hmm. So we really, in a sense, I think of it like we have really turned the dial up on a lot of both our senses and how we feel ourselves inwardly, our our inner thinking life, our Mm -hmm. inner feeling life. So it means things are, are both can be quite loud Mm -hmm. in a sense as in what we're feeling is really really big but we also get to experience joy in a really beautiful intense way I often use the example of seeing the first flowers in spring and it being so exciting Mm -hmm. whereas someone who isn't highly sensitive may be like oh flower okay on my Uh way does that shape it a little for you yeah we're in spring right now and it's my very favorite. I love spring. I, you know, I have, I would say my daughters, I I would, um, by that definition, I would categorize myself as a highly sensitive and my six-year-old daughters, I would categorize them as that as well in particular one. And we keep watching all the beautiful trees of spring and one will just exclaim, that is so beautiful, you know, at, at everything she sees and it's it's very adorable yes but think of I'm thinking of that rich inner life and and the sensitivity to to beauty and and nature and that sensitivity can feel like a detriment at times if it is um, causing anxiety or you know causing Mm -hmm. an overload on the emotions but it can also be you know a tremendous gift as you're as you're noticing little Mm -hmm. details and having the ability to be moved by them. And for, for a writer, I would say that's absolutely crucial to be able to key in on those little details that a lot of people might miss if they're not paying attention. Um, And so the the gift of writing is kind of that it's, it's your job to pay attention, right? And it's your job to, to write it down and to um, cause other people to feel, feel something, feel, you know, what you're feeling and to have that emotional reaction um, when they're reading a book or, you know, not just a book, any, any piece of writing to kind of lift them out of the mundane or the busy or, you know, whatever they're doing and um, give them the gift of seeing something as you see it in, in sharper focus and with all of the, the meaning you imbue with it and to help them kind of gain a more holistic um, picture of, of the world. Um, so in that sense, I think highly sensitive people are um, <laughs> primed to to write um, in a way in which it's really going to make an impact on the people who, who read their work. Yeah, I love that. I appreciate how you brought all those. And I like how you brought all those pieces together and, and thinking especially of your um, working with other people, both as a ghostwriter and as an author coach. This is where I feel like a lot of the gifts of a highly sensitive person, particularly being attuned to others and having a lot of compassion for the difficulty. Mm -hmm. I'm sure you have seen once or twice some challenges in the book writing process. (laughs) And Uh we'll get into that in just a little bit. So I feel like that aspect that many, but not all, research says around 70% of highly sensitives are introverts and 30% being around extroverts. Mm -hmm. But... All that being said, the classic writer you think of as being often quite quiet, alone, introverted, taking a lot of time for themselves. And while being an introvert doesn't automatically, like, not all introverts are are highly sensitive and vice versa, not all highly sensitives are introverts, but there's a lot of crossover Mm -hmm. there. Mm -hmm. So this deep thinking, this exploring, and this connecting the dots is how I often think of one of our gifts is connecting the dots between things that other people may never have really uh, really thought of in that way. So yeah, yeah just bringing, 
few things that pop into mind, yeah, but and, I have a, a question. Oh yeah. Fire oh, I was yeah. going to say, I, you know, t- to the introvert piece, I, I forget who I'll forget who said the quote, but there was a, um, some famous quote about 95%, maybe it's not 95% of, of being able to write is having the ability to be alone with yourself and, um, just, just sit with yourself, um, to a degree that other people don't or, or don't take the time for, even if writing is something that they really want to do, um, that, that, being alone with themselves is difficult. And, you know, like you said, not all introverts are highly sensitive. Not all highly sensitive people are introverts or maybe I, maybe I got that. that. Okay. (laughs) All right. Um, so, um, yeah. And I know for, for highly sensitive people who might be attuned to the needs of others, particularly if you've got a lot of people who are, counting on you to make their life run, um, you know, in various capacities as a mom or a caregiver or whatever the case may be, it can be really difficult to carve out that time and to kind of put your, you know, put your flag in the sand and say, this is my time and I'm, I'm taking it for me and I'm doing this because it's really important to me. And, it nourishes me creatively and I find a lot of joy in it. You know, that can be really difficult for any, anyone and everyone, I think. Um, but you know, if for people who want to either write a book or more just generally develop a writing practice, or, you know, perhaps they, they had one at a previous point in life and they found it really nourishing, but now it's, it's more difficult to create that space. Um, you know, I, I think it's important to um, express to the people in your life the the meaning that this has for you and enlist others to support you um, so that they're able to support you and, and you can take the space that you need in order to have that alone time, just that time alone with yourself that is really um, crucial to any creative expression. Um, and I, I think that, you know, having the, the courage and the gumption, I guess, to, to ask for that, to ask for that of others, it, it can be, um, people might be surprised at how willing others are to create space for, for you, um, for that, for that writing practice. So yeah, to people to whom, for whom that is a challenge, um, carving out alone time, um, I would, you know, encourage them just to, to ask and to really honor the, the creative impulse and, and the urge that they have to create and to make beauty and to write and to know that that is a good thing and it's there for a reason. And um, that, you know, um, creating space for that can yield really beautiful things. And what a fantastic way for someone to gently but also with meaning practice setting a boundary this is often something as highly sensitive can find challenging (laughs) (laughs) not all i won't make that a blanket statement Uh but um as an earlier guest aaron banfield had said our sensitivity demands skillfulness and one of those skills is learning boundaries and reclaiming space for ourselves because having that time to recharge, having that alone time, whether introverted or extroverted or somewhere in between, I identify more as an ambivert, that really can make the difference between having a day that went kind of off the rails mm-hmm. compared to having even... I don't actually want to put a time limit on it. Uh, having the time that you need <laughs> as, as you listen, whatever that is, to be able to step back, have that alone time, and especially to have some creative time. I think that's a really beautiful point that you brought in there. Yeah, it's so nurturing. You know, I always say that I'm I'm always happiest when I'm writing, particularly fiction writing. Um, that's the thing I've been doing the longest and 
So, you know, what's your version of that? Is it a particular form of writing? It, It by no means has to be writing. It could be gardening. It could be painting. You know, it could literally be anything. But for me, my life flows a lot better when I'm engaged in writing fiction and when I'm doing it not every day, but almost every day. And when I'm when I'm carving out that time to to do that. So being able to identify what that thing is for you is and making sure that you're um, making the time for it, or at least engaged in an effort to make the time for that and that other people around you know how important that that is for you is is really key, I think, um, in terms of um, what's going to make you have a a great day, you know, what's going to set you up to make you feel fulfilled and excited about the day so that you're then able to do all the other things. I feel like if, if for me, if that thing is in place, I have my time to to write, then I can kind of deal with anything else that comes up because I I got my tank full in the morning. Um, So, you know, whatever that is for you, how are you um, making that a priority in your life? Yeah, very well said. And I imagine, well, there are so many, I mean, literally it was, had a menstrual wise collective circle last night. And for those just hearing that for the first time, I run a, a six month space for people that are really sinking into the wisdom and intuitive guidance of their menstrual cycles. And this month, our theme is creation. So last night, we were really sinking into this idea of, of creativity and, and yeah, reframing it from that sense of it must be kind of the classics, drawing, painting, and whatever. Yeah, having it be cooking, designing a room, mm-hmm. having it be, as you said, gardening, dancing, any number of things. Though I imagine many of those tuning in to today's episode are curious indeed about writing. And I'm curious if someone was thinking of writing their first book and thinking, whether fiction or nonfiction, thinking about having something that's worth telling, having something they want to get down on the page what would you tell a person at the outset of that journey? Well, I think that everyone who is thinking of writing a book or who wants to write a book should definitely do it. I don't think that anybody, <laughs> that's, that's, the, that's the starting point. I don't, you know, I get asked sometimes, do I think that everybody should write a book? Or do I think that everybody has a book inside of them? And I I guess that's two separate questions for which I have two separate answers. And the first is that, no, I think only the people who should do it are the people who really want to. And do I think everybody has a book inside of them? I think everybody has dozens and dozens and dozens of books inside them, you know, because we contain multitudes and, and life is long and there's a million different angles that we could take on even one particular experience that we've had in our lives. That's why people don't just write one memoir. They write memoir after memoir after memoir. You know, it's not like you write one and, oh, that's the story of your life. Um, But I think anybody who wants to do it absolutely should. And the thing that I would say to people who are wanting to do it but not knowing um, the how of it is that no one really knows how to do it until they actually get into it and do it. You know, you can study books. I mean, I I say that I work as a ghostwriter, I work as an author coach, so I do shepherd people in the process of the how, of like ideating the book. I work with people who write nonfiction. So, you know, we work together on ideating the book, we work on outlining, and I coach them throughout the process of drafting the book. But, you know, all that said, you don't actually know how to do it and no one knows how to do it until they do it, until they make a commitment to the creative process and um, show up again and again and again and let their book kind of unfold for them. Um, So everybody, 
who's ever written a book is intimidated at the outset. People who've written many, many books are still intimidated every time they sit down to write a new book. There's a Maya Angelou quote that I share all the time with people that I coach and just with people in my orbit. And it's um, essentially, she'd written 11 books and she says, I've written 11 books and every time I sit down to write a new one, you know, every time I sit down to write, I think I've run a game on everyone and they are going to figure me out <laughs> that, that I, I, yeah. <laughs> I love that That's one. So good. Yeah. yeah, it's so good, right? Yeah. Because even Maya Angelou, you know, the brilliant, brilliant uh, Maya Angelou, who had already done it many times, felt intimidated by the process. So all that to say, that doesn't really go away. And it's also not a sign that you shouldn't do it. It's a, it's a sign that um, you, you really care about it and you care about what you have to say and you care about the form that it takes. And it means a lot to you. So that, that fear can be a sign that you're on, on the right track. Um, there's tons of different resources that you can utilize um, to help you draft the book. There's tons of people that you can go to to help you do it. But ultimately, it comes down to, to making a commitment that you're going to do it and then, and then making the space and continually showing up and showing up and showing up. And if you do do that, you will eventually write the book like it, it, it will happen. It's a it's a guarantee that, you know, your your book will form and the things that you learn about yourself in the process and the what you learn about, you know, what it takes to complete a project like that and learning that you are, in fact, someone who can do it. You know, the people who've written books and the people who are aspiring authors they're not that far apart. Only, you know, one person is over here and they've actually done it and one person is starting out, but nothing separates you from anybody else who's written a book. Um, and discovering that you are in fact someone who can do it is is worthwhile in and of itself. So if you're, you know, that's my, that's my two cents. If you're thinking about doing it, then then it's worthwhile and you have that thought for a reason and, and you should. And hearing that, I'm just kind of on fire now <laughs> to get back to writing. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and do. And I've been quietly writing in the background. Long, long-term project, as okay. you say. Because kind of in our, our age of instant gratification, mm-hmm. doing things and having an outcome very quickly. And it's quite linear in, in a lot of ways. Definitely not always. If you own a business, uh, often the work we put in is not doesn't come back straight away. It may come back years later in a, a surprising way. And so I think this idea of having a a long form project like this, fe- that feeling of intimidation, and and knowing that that's normal, right. that's really helpful to hear and I think well of course it helps me is going to help a lot of people that are are listening and you said something in an interview I listened with you once this was actually how I I first connected to you and I don't remember what the question was but there was something along the lines of hopefully I'm saying your words relatively right that when people know they need to write a book it's because it's like an itch they can't scratch and that really, really spoke to me. And I really wanted to make sure that kind of came up today. I don't know if you remember that at all. Yeah, I do. <laughs> but... Yeah, I think like the people that, you know, if you, the people that I enjoy working with the most are the people who they are, they're going to do it. You know, it's just a matter of time. Mm-hmm. Like conditions may not be quite right or, you know, maybe they're not quite right, but they decide that now's the time anyway, because they're just, they're so committed to the idea, to the idea, you know, even if they don't know the how, it is, it is like that itch that you can't scratch and nothing's going to stop you. 
or or rather you have to overcome or work around the things that are stopping you and kind of give yourself full permission mm -hmm. to just do it um and that is because i always say like i can't you know i i'm never you sometimes i feel like a bad salesman because i don't want to convince anybody you know i'm <laughs> we're entrepreneurs and we're selling our services and whatnot and connecting with people but sometimes you know i talk to people and i'm like are you sure you want to do this you know are you are you fully committed are you because it's hard you know you got to show up a whole lot you got to make the time you got to write the words um, are you sure? And, um, but you know, I can't talk anybody out of it if they, if they really want to do it. And that's how, mm -hmm. that's how you know that you, you should do it. Right. If you, if your desire to do it is like, you know, say your desire is 51% and all the other things in your life are 49%. That's all you need. Just that little, uh, like in that, um, push in the right direction to kind of just, start your engines and and get going um and then you're going to do it no matter what it's just a matter of time it's a matter of honing your idea it's a matter of um, kind of holding all the elements of the book that you're thinking about writing and sometimes those have to it's like compost they have to turn over and over mm -hmm. and, and work together for a while until like the genesis of an idea sprouts out and you may not have all the the pieces that go with it, but you just have that that one thing that you can work with and build off of. So those things those things um, need to happen as well. You know, and people listening to this might be might identify with some of the different stages that I just kind of mentioned. Um, and if you're in one of those stages, then that counts. You know, it's not like you go from mm -hmm. book idea to finished book and it's a linear path necessarily but if you have that itch that you can't scratch if if you know you're going to do it then all you really need is um, giving yourself full permission to take that journey hmm. and I love that you brought in the compost analogies I was just thinking about seeds given our current season and how much it is when you plant a seed you're especially in the garden and giving it the nurturance that it needs and showing up every day and just little by little, like it doesn't bloom overnight. And yeah, and there are, yeah, that, without, yeah. yeah and there are things that you can do to um, cultivate it, you know, even if you're intended, mm -hmm. um, even if it's not, you know, all of writing, I think people trip themselves out sometimes and, can get discouraged because they think that writing is words on a page and that's it. And so if I'm not mm -hmm. getting words on a page, then I'm not really writing, but there's brainstorming, there's outlining, there's drafting, there's writing morning pages. I don't know if you do morning pages at all. I, I like morning pages from Julia Cameron and if people are unfamiliar, that's where you write for like three pages in your journal and you just write. And if you don't know what to write, you say, I don't know what to write. I don't know what to write until something comes and you just keep doing it. And eventually what happens if you do that for three pages or 20 minutes or so is that ideas will start to come and you just write them down and you'll start to work things out. Um, so that's writing too, right? That's, that's thinking about your book. Mm -hmm. That's making space for it. That's making time for it and cultivating that space where the ideas can come. So all, all of that counts, you know, you don't want to discount any of that when you've made the commitment and you know that it's going to happen. Um, I encourage people to, to make those spaces for, you know, sometimes your writing practice is go on a 30 minute walk and think about your book and talk out concepts to yourself if you yeah. need to um, or talk yeah. out things on your I find those walks yeah those walks are just absolutely brilliant and completely disengage the the overthinking brain particularly if I'm in the forest oh. so I'm just echoing if you're feeling stuck walks are we talk a lot about walks on the podcast. You're yeah. actually completely yeah. still underrated. <laughs> but yeah, I dove in there if you oh, had a thought you were finishing. Yeah, it. walks are the best. Um, 
yeah, so it's not just words on the page. I guess that's my, um, that's my, the little takeaway <laughs> that I hope people get because um, thinking that it's only words on a page can really set you up for feeling like a bad writer or I'm, I'm you know, a good writer is supposed to write every day and I didn't write every day. So I guess that means that this isn't happening. You know, I'll put it back on the shelf for another couple of years. No, that's, that's not, um, that's not the case. It's, it's a matter of making the commitment and then making the space. And then eventually, yes, you have to get words on a page if you're, <laughs> that's how books work. That is part right. of the journey, yeah. <laughs> but it's not everything. Not everything. Yeah. That a really, really good point. And as you you kind of name this layer of there being some perhaps challenges along the way, that 51% to 49%, just needing enough to get started. But what about, and almost going back to your Mary Angelou quote about imposter syndrome, when you have this idea and her quote being roughly remembering it, I've done this so many times before, but they're, they're going to figure me out. I know those aren't her exact words, but that's kind of where my brain goes with it. But what words of wisdom do you have for people that are struggling with imposter syndrome and how to navigate that? Yeah, I think it's so easy to get caught up in what, whether or not you're qualified enough to write a book, quote unquote qualified, because the reality is there is no rubber stamp that anyone can give you to say, okay, you can do it now. Now you can, now you can write your book, you know, um, you know, and even if you have writing degrees or other elevated degrees in particular fields, there, you can never get enough of those to feel worthy to write your book. Um, if if worthiness is something that you're you're struggling with, there's no outside indicator that or any um, entity that is going to give you permission. Mm -hmm. So what I find really helpful is to think, okay, who can I help? How, who needs to hear what I have to say and how will me just getting it down help that one person? I think it's helpful to have one ideal reader in mind. Um, the more kind of focused you can be in who you're speaking to, the more broadly your book is going to resonate, which is just a counterintuitive truth. So, you know, if you have that one ideal reader in mind and you're thinking about how you can help and you're getting into a service mindset, that has a tendency, I think, of kicking you out of your own head, you know, and getting hung up mm -hmm. on whether or not you're worthy to write the book in the first place. You can have all those fears, set them aside and think about who you can help instead and then just commit to that. Focus on on service rather than your own credentials. Hmm. Really, really great elements to bring in, and and this actually comes up in a number of different ways in the business owning space itself. Always wanting that one more uh -huh. course or that one more piece of paper, that one more certification, and. I've been there. I have a lot of pieces of paper. <laughs> and yes, there is uh, an element, especially if you're doing one-on-one -on -one work or, or you're going for some type of registration where, yes, there are certain steps you need, but the path is not as linear with writing, it sounds like. The path is much more has an idea, has something meaningful showed up to be shared with someone and who needs to hear that. Yeah. That's kind of what I'm I love the way, yeah, hearing yeah, from I love that. the way you're equating it to running a business or, um, you know, anything that you, if whether or not your people listening to this have a business, like my, my bet is that they've done something that seems bigger than themselves. Um, and you take the first step uh, and, you know, the journey might 
end up being a whole lot longer than you ever anticipated, but you still take the first step because it's something that you're compelled to do, whether it's having a family, you know, or training for a marathon, which is not something I've ever done, but, um, you know, anything that you've, that you've done, if you, um, if you need to prove to yourself that you can do it, you know, if writing a book is something that you want to do and you feel totally daunted by the task and you need to prove to yourself that you do in, in fact have what it takes to do it, um, other than the fact that you desire to do it, because I feel like if you desire it, my personal thought is if you desire it, then you have what it takes. But if you want to collect evidence and prove to yourself that that is in fact true, look at other areas of your life or maybe just one other area where you're in the midst of something that is much bigger than you, whether it's starting a family or, or running a business or training for a big race or, you know, did you start a nonprofit? Did you like start a school or, you know, whatever wonderful things people, people do, um, gather, gather evidence and, and look at those times when you've committed to something that's bigger than you. And you'll see that you do in fact have the, have what it takes, have the wherewithal to see a project, um, through. And I think that's circling back to that, having this be a, a longer form journey, a longer form project. And like any journey, there are going to be unexpected layers popping mm -hmm. up and they just need to be navigated in some way, shape or form. And I've talked a lot about my journey of leaving social media and wanting to reclaim my attention, reclaim my focus in a deeper way to be able, this was one of the reasons, was to be able to think more deeply, connect dots that people haven't been able to connect before necessarily, or just really have that time of centered, deep focus. And it is in itself a practice. And it has really, really helped my writing to be able to do that. And yet there are definitely days where I'm going, what am I doing? What am I writing? What's happening here? <laughs> I've, got a, I've got a long way to go. I'm allowing this to just be a longer journey. But if someone is at the starting point, if there's a highly sensitive person that you can envision just kind of wanting to sit down and we've touched on a, a few of them, but I wanted to just flesh out if if there were any other tips that you wanted to give of someone to just sit down and actually start the writing process. Yeah, well, this is a... Um, so it depends on where they are in the writing process, right? Or what type of book they're envisioning writing. But let's just say they're at the very beginning and that they have some ideas of the type of book you want to write, even if they're not entirely sure. And no one's ever entirely sure. So being not entirely sure is a good place to be. Uh, so the first thing that I would do is just get it down on paper, on a Google Doc, if that works for you in a journal um, just kind of brain dump on the page all your thoughts about your book and what you think it could be and kind of just let it sit and getting it out on paper is one of the key elements I think in opening up that space that we talked about and think you know where you give yourself permission to to think about it and give your focused attention toward it and allowing space for new ideas to come in and new ideas to connect. And so you can kind of see for yourself how things might work together and you don't have to know anything and you may, you may not know anything, but um, having that space to place your ideas and kind of making that inward commitment to yourself that this is something that I think is worthwhile and that I'm going to at least explore the idea of um, what this might look like in a book, create that space and, and jot ideas down. That's a, a baby, baby first step that, that anyone can take, right? That's very unintimidating. Anybody can do that. And hopefully take some of the pressure off 
of it needing to be anything, just doing that, that big brain dump. And I, I think of that as taking the unseen, taking the ideas and making them seen, making them tangible. I'm a hand, I would love to be able to just type everything. I am such a handwriter. I have so many uh-huh. notebooks going now. So yeah. that's part of the process. But yeah, I, I do too. That I, getting I have lots of journals. I have Google Docs too, you know, I might start in a yeah. journal and then make its way to a Google Doc and then, you know, happen more in a journal. <laughs> Use it all, yeah. you know, <laughs> there are, there yeah. literally are no rules. So there's no yeah. like one thing that any writing process as, as many different writers on earth, there will be as many different writing processes, you know, and whichever one works is the one that works for you. So there, there are no rules. There is no one way to do it. I really like the the freedom in that. And I hope people listening that have that sense, have that itch they just can't scratch. Needing to write and not knowing where to start, that you can just start with doing a collecting of ideas, putting them in one place, even if there's no connections, if it's not linear, it's what I'm hearing is none of that matters. It's just to start and perhaps that may give someone the momentum to begin to create a practice and knowing knowing what one knows about highly sensitives. I have a few questions that I ask every guest on the podcast here, but I just wanted to touch if there were any other layers around highly sensitives and any other challenges that they may face in particular, or perhaps if they're ever not feeling confident in their writing abilities or feeling like they're just not sure how to make enough time, even as you've named the space, but I've heard you say a particular time stamp on how much writing one can do in a day and still get a book done. So I really wanted to bring that in, but yeah, just kind of a a catch all uh, of any other layers you wanted to bring in before we, uh, move towards our our final few questions here for highly sensitives wanting to write a book. Yeah. Well, I, I would just say, don't discount your gifts. Don't discount, you know, your sensitivity, your ability to appreciate things and to uh, have particular responses to the world around you view that, you know, what if you view that as your superpower in writing and thought, okay, well, I have this, uh, this ability and I feel deeply so that i believe I could have the means to help others feel deeply. And that's what people want when they write books, right? So what if you viewed it as as a superpower and um, asked other people to support you in, in making the space that's that's necessary in order for books to emerge? And everybody um, has doubts about their writings, <laughs> yeah, about their writing abilities whether you're highly sensitive or whether you're Maya Angelou. So, (laughs) um, you know, rest in peace. Um, So, uh, you know, just the more you, the thing that will help to dispel that more than anything else is just doing it and falling in love with your book, falling in love with your writing, falling in love with the message that you want to share, if it's nonfiction or the characters that you are, are birthing, if it's, it's fiction and having love for the thing itself, eventually that love becomes bigger than the fear and kind of draws you along. Um, so can you get to that place where, where you're just in love, in love with it in in the process? And can you just keep going? Because that, that'll do it. That will take you to where you want to go. Fantastic. That is pretty motivating. And I am I am hoping this is, is inspirational for people listening to even just sit down after this and take five minutes and start to flesh out some ideas. It's often, yeah, you know, when I start with just a few minutes, sometimes I find myself there for an hour and I'm like, oh, look yeah. at that. Uh-huh. <laughs> I can go. Thank you so much for bringing in all of all and I feel like we we've scratched the the surface here of of your background and and experience of of writing books for well over 10 years and in many different angles 
you have been the author, you have ghostwritten, you coach other authors, you have a really wide breadth of knowledge to bring in. So I really appreciate your time and for bringing in uh, a lot of fun layers today. So, oh, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. And, and all that being said, that'll just move us to our, our final two questions here. And the first being, what do you consider your favorite gift and biggest challenge of being a sensitive person? I think my favorite gift is my, um, I learned early in my life that I was going to have to be okay with crying in front of other people <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah. expressing emotion. And I think that is a gift, not just crying, but kind of wearing my emotions on my sleeve. I feel like when I'm at my best Mm -hmm. and unguarded, then I'm able to do that um, because I feel like, you know, as I see the, the effects of that and the people around me, namely my family, um, and I want them to be able to do that. I want my, my girls to have permission to feel their feelings. I want, you know, every, everybody around me to be able to be truthful about how they feel, even if it's crying or, you know, um, other things that, uh, people might be shamed for hopefully less. So now today, Mm -hmm. you know, as we kind of evolve in consciousness and learn to express things more than we could maybe even, 25 years ago or so. Um, I think that is, that's a gift. And the, the part about being a challenge, is that what you, um, is, was that the second part of the question, the challenge? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. That, that thing about boundaries that you said earlier. <laughs> <laughs> boundaries part. Yeah. Uh, uh, you were yeah. <laughs> not alone uh-huh. in that. That part, mainly with yeah. um, emotional, uh, kind of not taking responsibility for how other people's feel, other people feel and saying, okay, this is, you know, like, was that my fault? I got this reaction. Is it because of something I did? Like, okay, no, this is, this is what happened. This is what I did. I'll take responsibility for that. And then the rest of it is not my responsibility. Um, continuing to, to learn that and to, you know, really stand by this is mine and, and that's theirs. Yeah. Very, very well said as, <laughs> as yeah, many, many of us, myself included have had a long journey with, with boundaries and sounds like you've done some yeah, conscious intentional work with them. I have definitely yeah. done a lot of, of work around boundaries because there's so many layers to it's them. It's true. And it's, it's easier in some contexts than others, Yeah, you know, so yeah. it's a continual yeah. thing I'm learning. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's, I think, the reason why I ask this to every guest that comes on that identifies as, as highly sensitive is because it helps us see that we're, we're all human. We all have a lot of similarities in some of the things that we navigate. And this is something that, that comes up a lot in working and supporting people in my one-on-one practice as well. So it's something that's really, really key to creating a conscious, sustainable intuitively led life that feels really good and it's okay when they feel challenging just one of my mentors would say there's always room for improvement (laughs) it doesn't have to be perfect there is no finish line there's no feeling need to feel bad about one particular you know area and yeah but knowing okay there's some some room for for improvement and and that being just fine being part of the journey But thank you so much for sharing for sharing both of those. And for those that really resonate with you, for those that have that itch they can't scratch and want some support, how do they get in touch with you? Do you have some great offerings for authors and aspiring authors? And if uh, you wanted to share where people can find you, um, yeah, feel free to, to share that. Yeah, you can find me. Um, my website is jenniferlockwrites.com, L-O-C-K-E. And um, so the way that I'm working with people currently is 
through these um, several hour intensives where we really do a, a deep dive into the book and we look at your ideas for it, what no matter how fully formed they are, if they're just ideas, if you've got a few chapters drafted, we look at the purpose for it. And so how does this play into your overall vision for life and, and your business? If you have a business, we look at the plan and looking at what, what they have and really um, creating the rest of the outline together or beginning making a strong beginning on that process because outlines are never truly done, in my opinion. They're always a work in progress, even when drafting has begun. Uh, we look at pace and kind of how we can, um, you know, how you can plan to make the book a reality, given your current schedule and your current life, and, and what are the next steps that you need to do. And uh, we look at your point of view. So what is it that makes you, you? How, you know, what's your tone? How do you, what's your personality? And really making sure that that translates on the page. Um, since there's lots of books that people could read, but what they really want is to connect with a good voice and they want to connect with the author's voice. So I say that I help people sound as most themselves as they can possibly sound. Um, and there is no one, you know, since everybody's an individual, there is no one way that people are supposed to sound. Um, so that's uh, how I'm working with people currently doing these um, several hour intensives. And then there's quite a lot of support that they get um, after that um, session and as part of that offering. Um, but people can read more about that at jenniferlockwrites.com. And then um, on social media, I'm also on LinkedIn and Instagram, so they can connect with me there. Nice, amazing. And I have uh, gone and read through, well, this is actually how, when I first uh, saw that first interview, I actually read through and signed up for your, your 10 quick tips. And yeah, just maybe we sure, can finish yeah. off if people yeah, yeah wanted to hear just a, a little on that because I found it really helpful. I've got it saved oh. in my in my book oh, file. That's so thanks for saying that. So that's something that you can find on my website, um, and it's ten quick um, tips to improve your writing right now. And what it is, it's just ten very practical things that you can do to make your writing flow more clean, clearly and to have a bigger impact on your readers. So these are not um, fussy grammar rules. That's <laughs> obviously based in grammar, <laughs> but I'll give an example of, um, here's a sentence, here's how you can tweak it, here's why it makes an impact. And there, there's examples that hopefully you can see those 10 quick tips and go, okay, so whether you're drafting uh, an article or even just an email, any old piece of writing that you wanna do, you can have those handy and help you sound like your most brilliant self, whatever you're writing. So that's at my website, and, and people can can grab that at jenniferlockwrites.com. Yeah, perfect. And, yeah, I found that as, a, as your gift to people listening. When I was first listening to that interview, I was like, oh, this is great. So highly encourage you to check it out. And those listening to the podcast regularly may notice a theme that – I, uh, referring to uh, Stella Tomlinson, I was referring to her emails as well that I receive, her soul notes that I love reading through, and yours as well. I really enjoy getting your messages around writing, short, sweet, to the point, and I always get a oh, lot out thank of them. You. So. That means so much because I really love my email list, and writing my email list is like one of my favorite things to do. So I'm, I'm so glad that you enjoy receiving them. <laughs> I do. I really do. And I definitely would encourage those thinking of writing, wanting some more support to head on over to our website, which I'll include in the show notes. Grab the 10 quick tips to improve your writing right now. And yeah, feel free to check out a little bit more of her offerings there. So thank you again. This has been a lot of fun. I've learned a lot and I hope those listening are feeling really inspired. Aww, thank you so much, Lisa. I had so much fun chatting with you and yeah, if you're thinking about writing a book, you have a permission slip from me to do it. And so yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> go ahead and let it rip. <laughs> That is the perfect way to finish off today's episode. 
Amazing. Thanks again for your time. And we'll just give a couple quick reminders as we move towards a close here. All right. Well, I feel like I need to wrap up this podcast episode today so that I can get back to my writing. That was a really, really wonderful interview. And I really hope that what Jennifer shared was helpful to you on your own journey, whether that be a writing journey or any type of creative and artistic endeavor. A reminder from the start that if you are feeling like you'd like some more support on your highly sensitive journey, I've got the five S's to soothe your nervous system as a free gift that you can download today. Just head to combinationhealing.ca forward slash free forward slash soothe. And if you add in the 10 quick tips to improve your writing right now, between calming your nervous system and having some great tips to write, I think you can get started today. So with that, if you have enjoyed today's episode, I invite you to share it with a friend. And of course, a rating and review is always helpful and appreciated. If you're using Spotify on your phone, and in the app, they actually have a new review feature. So while many people have said, I don't know how to review your podcast, I'm not on iTunes. If you're over on Spotify on your phone, just scroll up to the top and it's something like review or there's some stars you click. I forget exactly what it looks like, but in general, it now exists. So I look forward to sharing another episode all about living life as a highly sensitive soul, sinking into your gifts while better learning to navigate the challenges. Enjoy spring if you're in the Northern Hemisphere or really shifting into fall in the Southern Hemisphere. Wherever you are, I hope you have a beautiful and nourishing day. Bye for now.